Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, not long ago, Julie and I had a wonderful conversation with Jan Greenwood. She's a pastor and founder of an online network called Brave Strong Girl. And our conversation was just so impactful as we listened to Jan talk about what it can be like to experience disappointment in your ministry journey. So I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Welcome to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast powered by the King's University. This is a conversation to encourage and validate women on their ministry journeys. Now, let's join TKU's Dr. Rhonda Davis and Julie Cole for this episode of the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast. Hello, listeners. We are excited to be here today with Jan Greenwood. And Jan, I'm going to read your bio here. It says, that you are a pastor, a teacher, an author of Women at War. You began serving as a leader over 25 years ago while battling breast cancer. You founded Brave Strong Girl. We'll talk a little bit more about that. It's an online mentoring community. You currently serve on the pastoral team at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We're so glad you're here, Pastor Jan. Thank you for being with us. Gosh, that sounds really... (laughs) Special. <laughs> you are just special. Jan. <laughs> just Jan. I just love that. Jan. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Absolutely. I love the two of you and the work that you're doing, and I'm excited about the development of your podcast and really honored oh, that we you. can have this conversation. Yeah. Well, you're on our short list, yeah. always. <laughs> we kind of start with the same question every time, mm-hmm. and we're interested in your path to where you are today, a lot of times someone will know right when they're young, I want to do this, or others kind of meander and get to where they are. What What's your path? How would you describe yours? I'm a yours? meanderer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a meanderer, uh, for sure. Um, I grew up with a lot of vision for leading, mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, my life to make a difference. I thought it would be in the marketplace. Hmm. And... Um, I'm totally surprised that I'm a woman in biblical ministry. Mm -hmm. Still, after all these years, I still find myself a little bit like awestruck that God did it Hmm. because I didn't even know women could be, Mm -hmm. you know, inside the church um, other than some very basic administrative roles. When I was first asked in a little tiny church in West Texas to be a lay women's pastor, right? Um, I just remember saying to that sweet man, took my husband and I to lunch, and I just looked at him and said, if you need someone to order the flowers for the podium on Sunday or prepare the meals for the funerals or, you know, be the hospitality of the house, I don't, I don't really have any of those gifts. <laughs> but if you have someone who's excited about life in the spirit and really mm. want to help people grow, I would be so honored. Mm. to serve. So that kind of tells you my perspective of what I thought women in ministry was. Uh, was. Yeah, yeah. That's what I don't mean seen. to disrespect yeah. those, but that's all I had ever really seen. Right. Right. And since I don't have any kind of musical gift, the other place I saw women yeah. serve was right? like choir or playing the piano. Yes, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> yeah. And he was gracious. He's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. That would be great. So God just made a way for me. And was that a good experience, that first oh, role? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was great because it was this very small community. I was surrounded by women who had kind of come in at this similar time, and it was right at the beginning of our life in the spirit. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of really what brought us to this congregation is we, 
Uh, my husband and I had been through a pretty difficult season, and a friend asked my husband about what's the Holy Spirit doing in your life. And, you know, my husband was like, what are you talking about? And he gave him a book to read. And Mark and I started reading all these books on the Holy Spirit. Well, if you get really excited about the Holy Spirit and life in the Spirit, he shows up. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fire in you that you didn't have before. So I was gathering with a community of women. We were all novices. We didn't have a matriarch, really. But we would open the word together, and we would talk about our life, and our kids would be at our feet, and we'd you know get together every Friday afternoon, and it was bring your own snacks, and um, the kids would play, and we would open the word together. That's how I began ministering, which is still... It's coffee shop ministry is still some of my very favorite moments. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that I was leading them as we were mutually submitted and we grew together. Mm. So I think that was a really precious start. And then eventually it took a more formal role and I took the time to spotlight a woman that I didn't know, but who had a role that I kind of thought drifted more toward my strengths. And I made a phone call to her and asked if I could come and visit. I promised to be prepared. I drove five hours. I spent the day with her. I had 10 questions, and it was phenomenal. It gave me so much hope. And so when I came back from that meeting, you know, it was a little bit more, my leadership skills from all those years of education and and workforce, I began to kind of strategize Mm -hmm. a women's ministry. Mm. But I'm grateful I just didn't do it off of what I had known or experienced because it was so limited. What were some of those 10 questions? Oh, gosh. Can you remember any of them? Some of them I can, yes. So I remember asking a question about what do you do when someone in your congregation, uh, it appears that they're doing something in sin, and Mm -hmm. how do you speak to them? Mm -hmm. And how do I keep myself from falling into the trap of sin that I can't see? Mm -hmm. And what makes you choose an event over something small? And... What draws women, I mean, she had a huge following of women. What's the most important thing when you bring them all together? You know, what yeah. What did you value? And how do you personally lead? Are you the front person? And and I just learned so yeah. much. And she recommended some books to me. She taught me about, uh, she recommended uh, uh, John Bevere's book on the bait of Satan. Mm-hmm. And that book really taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. There's a lot of places I feel like she helped me keep my foot out of. Yeah. <laughs> by being able to recognize. And really her saying to me, well, this is the most profound thing she said to me. Every fight is not yours. Be certain that you have both the authority and the favor if you speak into a situation that's above the protocol of your job. Wow. And man, yeah. that was wisdom, right? right? Yes. Yes. So I think that's very powerful thing that I don't know why I was inspired. I just knew I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. And I got brave and she, I'm sure it was an annoyance, you know, I was following her around all day, but (laughs) she really blessed me and deposited some good seeds. Hey there, the Women in Ministry Leadership programs available here at the King's University are near and dear to our heart. They include leadership training and dialogue on tough issues facing women in ministry leadership, small group mentoring, and an annual spiritual retreat. The Center for Women in Ministry Leadership supports female students earning degrees at TKU and is designed as a gathering place for women to experience personal and spiritual growth while navigating ministry leadership. 
Along with that, undergraduates are invited to join a leadership program, including retreats and small group, and graduate students can add the Wimmel concentration to their degree. Visit www.tku.edu forward slash WIML for more information. Well, something I see in that, though, is, you know, we'll hear women, and I was in this position, too, where I didn't have a mentor Mm -hmm. for what Mm -hmm. I was doing, but you can go and find one. Yes. Um, I mean, today we can listen to videos, but I mean, the the personal questions, you you can email somebody Mm -hmm. and ask the worst thing that'll happen as you get a no. That's right. Mm -hmm. But you can find those people. That's right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And... It's good to find someone whose fruit you like. Yes. So, mm-hmm. like, I just saw that she was having big gatherings, that women were excited about coming. I was aware that there was a growing passion in their church and that her pastor was not negative toward her. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of already gathered those by probably the rumor mill. Um, and so I, I myself have always thought you should give what you were given. And so if I get a chance to offer some counsel or advice or like be here today, it means a lot to me because I don't know, nobody tells you how to steward your life and the spirit really. Yeah. Right. And so you do have the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the Holy Spirit loves to do is take you to other people who live in the spirit and connect you. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. And you're a connector. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that we talk about your most recent book, The Grace Giving Leader, but Rhonda and I were kind of laughing that um, one of your last books is Woman at War. Yes. Going to a grace giving <laughs> Yes. Well, There's, that sort of says I feel like there must it? be a story there. Yeah. Well, there definitely is a story. Um, I wrote Women at War in 2013. I released it. And it took me a long time to write it because I was on a revelation about who I was as a woman. I grew up as an only child, and my mom was very young when she had me, came down with a very um, life-altering illness right after Hmm. I was born, and she was the baby of her family, and I just became an instant adult. And Hmm. then I had a spiritual um, experience when I was seven that was not of the Lord, but in that moment, I made an inner vow, and mm. I kind of changed places. I became the mother of my mother, and um, so what I learned is that wow, you have you can set an environment, you can kind of control how people feel. I had this empathy, so I could know when the temperature in the room was escalating. But it's all this false responsibility, yes. right? It's like a it's like a perversion of my gifts. Yeah. And so the ultimate root of that is that by the time I graduated from college and got married and went into a working role, I actually realized pretty quickly that I didn't actually like to be with women. Hmm. So, you know, when you realize you don't like to be with women, you, you have to think about that. So for a while, I just disregarded that. But um, at seven years of marriage, I got pregnant. Guess what? It was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and that motivated me to dig out some issues. Yeah, I'm going to have to learn how to like her. Oh, gosh, exactly. And I was terrified of, you know, just trying not to repeat patterns. Sure. And mm-hmm. I wanted her to not dislike who she was because at the root of not liking to be with women means I don't really like to be with me. Mm, right? That's interesting. Like, I don't really like my own identity. So I'll adapt to a more male identity. I'll be a stronger leader. I'll be very bottom line. 
I can manage this room. I show you I can play at this game, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy for women like me to adapt to a male-driven community. And so, you know, I, I have women tell me all the time, oh, I don't like together with women too much drama. Yeah, we've heard that as over well. Over and over, yeah. yes. And I know there is a lot of drama. God made us with emotions. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with our emotions. We've just been taught that our emotions are like our weakness or we're out of control. And actually how I feel about my emotions today is they're always telling me something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're telling me I'm weak, but sometimes... They are alerting me to the presence of the enemy or to the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a moment where my emotions arise and I, I know that I, I need to lead in this moment. And sometimes there's a moment where I enter into spiritual warfare. It, like, how can you follow God if you shut down all your emotions? Right. So the Lord began to take me through healing. I did some therapy and I began to read the Bible about women and just discover how God treated them. But I really spent a lot of time in Genesis 3 and the devil and uh, Eve having this conversation and then the Lord coming and laying the curse on them. And, you know, I just had this moment where I was like, oh, my gosh, the devil hates women. Mm -hmm. He hates men, too, right, for their own reason. But he really hates us because it says that, you know, that we will be the one that produces the one that rises up and crushes his head. Mm-hmm. And so if he can keep us from even uh, owning that moment of where we understand we have the authority and the power to crush his head, and we carry the gift of life-giving in us, like mm-hmm. we carry life in us, then we're terrifying to him. Yeah. And if we build the kingdom physically, spiritually, emotionally, he just freaks out. And so he, but he also knows that our thinker is kind of our weak spot. You know, Eve fell because she was wanting to be wise. She wanted to be more like God. Like, I can understand that temptation, right? He didn't say, eat this apple and God will never speak to you again, but your life will be so better. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't, he didn't show her any death or separation or consequence. She just got caught up in focusing on what she didn't have instead of everything that laid before her. Right. So once the Lord began to show me, when I wrote Women at War, it began to unravel for me. It's like, man, I've been in a war and I didn't even know it. Wow. Mm. And so there's just that journey of self-discovery. I recommend Women at War as a great tool for a woman who is leading a community of women, uh, especially if they're your leaders. Like if you know, you're the leader and they're your leaders, because it will stimulate conversation mm-hmm. and it will equip them to identify women in the congregation who may be struggling in this very same area. That takes so much discernment. You were talking about emotions and as a leader, especially in this life in the spirit, right? Mm. It's just kind of a constant inner discernment. Are there, what has helped you figure that out? You know, this is, I think when I feel this, I'm asking these questions of myself or how do you know um, sometimes what, what they're teaching you, what they're letting you know? Yeah. Well, for a while, I was discerning everyone to the to the point of rudeness. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to apply, you yes. know, an algorithm. Yeah. Um, what I what I discern now is some is generally something they will say or in their behavior, and my response to it is I feel a little sad. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel like oh, you know, mm-hmm. like there's a wound there, mm-hmm. and it's not your personality. It's not about how you're shaped as a personality. It is about how you choose to protect yourself. 
And so sometimes I tell them and sometimes I won't. I don't feel like it's my job to rescue everyone. Right. But when I do see a woman who's in my congregation, who I know personally, if I see any of those things, you know, take her to coffee and we'll just chat about Mm -hmm. very relationally. And I think teaching is a good way to address it. And then for me personally, when it's happening to me, it's always, almost always because I'll be with women and I feel really awkward. I feel like maybe I don't belong. Um, I feel like maybe I'm t- speaking too much. Maybe I'm too loud. Maybe I'm drawing attention. Like all of my leadership gifts just come under crushing insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm learning when I'm feeling that sensation, especially in the midst of a community of women, generally, somebody's lurking in my garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which leads us to being able to give grace yeah. to yourself. I've heard you Full talk circle. about this before and say it, you wrote about what you needed to know. That's right. <laughs> well, that is the truth. Yeah. So once God began to heal me, I didn't even know the concept of grace, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I uh, grew up in a very word-based church. So I'd heard the word grace many times and understood that grace was a free gift from God and that it's the way you get saved and that it's the favor of God. I felt like I had the fundamental teaching principles down, you know. But what I began to understand, what really sparked this conversation was that this idea that grace can also be a verb. And when it turns to a verb, it has power. It's like turning Mm. the key on a car. And I was so weak to change or to progress or to even accomplish what God uh, is asking of me to to just just to be obedient. You know, I felt so lacking, and so I began to ask God for more grace. And I wasn't so much thinking about favor, although I think it's very important when God gives you a free gift, you should take it. But he also gave the free gift of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit mm. and acknowledging that. And so I began to pursue grace on a personal basis for the power to get through, to be transformed. And I've always loved the power of God, right? I've begged God, please show up, show off, you know. Yeah. Come on, Lord. I want to see, you know, people rise from the dead. I want to see people get healed. Like all the things that you say are basic fundamentals. Can I see those? Right. And I want to feel his power. Mm -hmm. And the Lord began to teach me about what I call soft power and about the power of his presence. And that um, it's not all about the Shania glory. It's also, it's his presence. And his presence just finished my healing and then led me to another place. And by the time I was in this grace thing. I was leading a larger community of women. I had a significant number of people that I was sort of co-leading. And I was I was reporting to someone that I really was charged with executing that person's vision, not my vision. And it was just a lot of like navigation. And I needed more opportunities awareness. for grace. Yeah. I need more grace. <laughs> So, and I do share more in this book, my failures. Like, if I could say today, like, what are the great things you've done in your life? I don't, I don't know if I really know. I don't know if I've done great things. I think there have been moments where God's caught me in an obedient moment, and maybe he's done something great with me. 
But I wonder if those are the things that happen privately and secret mm. that nobody knew versus the large gatherings and the, you know, huge success and all those things. Like, I don't even know of those things. So I'd rather talk to you about my weakness than my strength mm. because even Brave, uh, Brave Strong Girl mm-hmm. is really was launched out of my weakness, not mm-hmm. my strength. And can I just keep talking? I yes. hate to burn it. I don't want to burn too much that. time. No, you're good. Um, I'm definitely in a season right now where I am grappling with God about my weakness. I've been through a really difficult couple of years of uh, just fighting for my physical strength, um, dealing with my emotions, and feeling very unsafe, maybe. Mm. And those three things really caused me to withdraw, which is not my natural personality, but I just drew back. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I can't do it anymore. So I've drawn back into a cocoon and I'm starting to have a rebirth. You know, I'm coming Mm -hmm. back out. But um, Brave Strong Girl was titled because my husband said to me one day, honey, you're just, I'm just amazed that you're so brave and so strong. And I just turned to him and said, that is so strange because all I feel is weak and afraid. And so God just began to talk to me about the real courage of the kingdom of God always has to come face to face with fear. Mm -hmm. And the real strength of the Holy Spirit only comes at its full potential when you have finally laid down your, uh, like reached the end of your own strength. And see, I guess I have a really strong will. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, you shouldn't have given me so much will because for years and years I would just press on, right? Do it again. Mm. And when I reached the end of, I cannot. And he was silent. I was like, hmm, well, did I do anything in the kingdom that was helpful? Yeah. Do, is there anything here? And uh, at the same time, I was watching my mother in her final year, and my mom died a year ago this month. Oh, sorry, if you're going March, we're almost there. And uh, that whole last year, the Lord kept saying to me, do you think that I value your mother less because she's bedridden? She can't mm-hmm. uh, get up. She can't change her clothes. She can't shower herself. Like, you know, she was suffering. Yeah. And he was asking me, like, does your mom still have a purpose? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, the only strength she has is mine. Hmm. And so that's a little scary to yeah. know how far we have to go to really understand. And so I don't really love how he's rebuilding me in this moment. Yeah. I don't really like that it's through strength, through weakness instead of strength. Hmm. But I'm getting there. Yeah. I can tell you from what I read on your Facebook page, that I think one of the best things you've ever done is the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. You've been so authentic, and there have been times that you've shared about your cancer journey and just your journey currently that is so raw and so mm-hmm. real that it just leaves me speechless. I have to just let it marinate for a while, mm-hmm. and it bears fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... It's encouraging, even though it's deep and real. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. His strength really is made perfect in our weakness. But that's not always easy. You Mm -hmm. see, you know, um, we were just talking. You see hopes go by. You see dreams go by. Or, wait a minute, I thought this was going to work out this certain way, and now it's not. And is it? Am I the issue we hear? I mean, my for my own self, a lot of times I'll say, I think it's me. I think I'm in the way. I think I'm the one. You know, God, just if, if anybody else, if anybody else can do it, just just use them. So how do we navigate some of those 
disappointments. Those place, yeah, yeah, some of those places in our lives. Well, I certainly have been dealing with some disappointments. Just things I hoped to accomplish or um, things that I think, I, visions and ideas that I believe were God-inspired. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think I made all that up on my own. Right. Maybe some of it's straw and hate, but I don't think I made it yeah. all up. And so these promises or visions or ideas, and I would pray about them and dream about them. And people would say, oh, yes, you should do that. And then, you know, to not do that or to see someone else do it and do it so well, mm-hmm. like cheer them on. But it does, it does prick your heart. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think that part of the walk of being in ministry is disappointment. It, there's some, you're going to believe God for big things and some of them you're going to see and some you're not. Mm-hmm. You're going to believe him for the people you're ministering to, to be healed and set free. And some of them, you know, you can't do the work for them. So some yeah. of them will, and some of them won't. And I guess the way that I'm trying to deal with disappointment is I'm, I'm understanding that my disappointment is part of what overwhelmed me in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know I was disappointed. I, I did not know I was disappointed. And when the lid came off of the disappointment, I found out I'd actually allowed some of that to become bitter. Mm. And that frightened me a little bit because I didn't think I was bitter, but guess what? Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm trying to read like the book of Hebrews and be happy about what I read there instead of being frustrated. <laughs> So if I read Hebrews 11, it still Mm. just slaps me in the face. I want to say to the Lord, not one of these people got what you said, Mm -hmm. you know. And, of course, he he brought all his promises to pass. He was faithful. But the person who had to shake up their whole life, who had to be bold, who had Mm. to be out there, who was the one saying, this is what God said to me. My descendants will be like the sand of the seas, you know, Mm -hmm. like... um, the the ones who paid the price, mm. you know, I know they see it in eternity, but it's disappointing to me. Yeah. And so I even thought I've been thinking about Joshua a lot and, you know, following so closely with Moses. And if you read about when God calls Moses to go up to the mountain and die, he gives Moses a song and Moses writes this song that the Israelites would never, so they would never forget and basically the whole song is about how God is not going to let them enter the land. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, you, you're rebellious mm-hmm. and stiff-necked and no, you can't have the promise. And um, my heart's been breaking a little bit for Joshua. Like he lost Moses, who was like his mentor and father mm-hmm. and guider. And he had served all this time. And now he's the leader. And I get the people who can't cross over. And I get all these new <laughs> people who never yeah. saw the sea split and, yeah. <laughs> and the Land is filled with snakes and scorpions. And <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yes. I, I've never, I've always just seen Joshua's like, you got the charge, Joshua. You get mm-hmm. to lead the people into the promised land. And so I can tell God's really been cultivating compassion in my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just say one last thing. God has not answered me about anything of my complaints in Hebrews. <laughs> so I don't have understanding. Yeah. But I do have hope that some of the visions I've had will be fulfilled generationally or through someone else. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, if I care more about the kingdom of God Mm. than Jan's kingdom, it eases my distress. Yeah. But it's so easy to get all focused on your vision and your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. 
I want to tell you about one of the ways that King's University is committed to making higher education affordable to you. TKU has teamed up with Gateway Church to offer all new and returning students up to $1,500 off tuition expenses annually through the Blessed Life Scholarship. This scholarship is available to both in-person and online students, including part-time students. Along with Blessed Life, TKU offers many other scholarship options. So if you've been considering an undergrad or a graduate degree, but need some financial support, check out tku.edu backslash scholarships and find a scholarship option that fits your needs. That's so, so, such an honest way of saying that because, you know, when God calls us to lead, he doesn't call us to lead because we don't want to go anywhere. He calls us to lead because we can see something other people can't see, you know, and we're leading them to a place that they haven't seen yet. So there is this battle all the time. There's this tension between oh, I can what I can see and I believe for and I hope for, and maybe that's not mine to to take hold of, or or maybe it is, or how do I, or maybe I'm in the middle. Maybe I'm just stewarding something that's passed from generation mm-hmm. to generation. So. Right. I just so appreciate, and I think, isn't that kind of part of a a holy lament, yes, even? That would be a great way to yeah, say that it. that I'm able to say, God, I'm disappointed. Yes. But I believe you. Mm-hmm. I yeah. believe you. I'm hopeful. Yep. It will but, be done. Yeah, it <laughs> will be done. And you, this was you. Yeah, I wasn't just making all this stuff up, but, but man, I wanted to see it. You know? And I, I beg God for understanding. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much scripture about it. If you get if you get spiritual understanding, you gain so much from God. You can you can think and hear mm-hmm. differently. Like biblical understanding is so powerful. And so, like when I'm looking at my life, I'm or even Hebrews 11 is just such a classic yeah. example. I'm saying I want to understand. And for me, right now, I find him silent. Mm. And, you know, will you trust me when you don't understand? Oh, I don't know. I have to grow yeah. a little more before yeah. I can can get there. So disappointment, it will come, but it also, it's kind of bittersweet for me. Like, okay. And it's pa- also part of the passing of the torch. Mm. Like I'm reaching an age now where, you know, at the, my home church, we're very focused on next-gen development. You ladies are very focused on mm-hmm. putting those warriors mm-hmm. in place and, you know, at some point, you're not the person on the front line. You move mm-hmm. over and you let them take the baton. And I think I just thought I still had the strength to, you know, pursue that front line. Let me take it. And then I'll give them the baton. Yeah. God's like, uh, could you hand that over? No, they're, you know, they're yeah. too young. They're going to get yeah. killed. They're going to get hurt, you know. Yeah. So even that, just the surrender, it's a submission. Mm-hmm. I'm going through a period of submission to the Lord mm-hmm. in a whole new way mm-hmm. and trying to use the energy that I do feel rebuilding. I do feel, mm-hmm. I do feel I've entered resurrection, so to speak, mm-hmm. of my season, but I want to be really careful what I do with the energy that I have. Mm-hmm. I want to be sure that I'm only doing what God asked me to do. Yeah. And maybe he's going to ask me to do a whole lot less than I thought he was. Yeah. And so if I have to have more rest, he's not offended that yeah. I need more rest. You know, he will make room for me to rest. So yeah. that whole makes you lie down in green pastures. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
That always sounded good to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'd rather be up running with yes. us. <laughs> till he makes you. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. It is, yeah, it yeah, is a beautiful part. place. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he makes you lay down, you know, I will say it is a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, the experience is more like the death and the burial. Mm-hmm. So you have this crushing season where it just feels like you're losing everything. And then to me, you go into the grave for a while and the rock rolls over. And I re- I've even said this to the Lord. I don't know if I'm planted or I'm buried. I, d- mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now he's rolling the rock back. And I'm, I think I'm entering resurrection. But I don't know what seed in mm-hmm. that dark place mm-hmm. he's yet to rebuild. Yeah. You always mention being, in, being an encourager. You mm-hmm. like to encourage. You like to mentor. What do you hope that the message of your life is when mm. someone looks at you? It's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to be honest, I hope they will say I was kind. Kindness really matters to me. And I hope that people will experience me as someone who was just kind to them. Obviously, I hope that kindness reveals the spirit of the Lord. Um. I mean, I have dreams, but those would be the things like what yeah. even what I want my children to say. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily want my children to say, Mom was a great, you know, person working in the church yeah. or wrote a book or two. Like I want them to feel like I was kind and present mm-hmm. and that maybe the Spirit of God was on me. And maybe that if that drew someone to God, that would be so incredible. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, a little more humble than my I just feel like, uh, who called himself the most, Moses, the most humble person. I just feel like I just tried to call myself Moses. I don't think I'm the most humble. I'm just saying humility is being marked in my heart. Yeah. That goes back to that, you know, is it my kingdom or God's kingdom? And I just think, Jen, you're talking about some of the things that lie in the heart of a leader that maybe they're too afraid to say. And your honesty with God, you know, he's, you were talking about him not being offended. He's not offended by those questions. I don't think either of what about what you promised or what about what you did, but coming back to, um, I hope that what they see is my soul was rich and the inside of me was bigger maybe than the outside, Yes, you know, um, is, is beautiful and is what's most important. And we can just get our eyes crooked sometimes mm-hmm. about um, what really um, matters the most. Mm-hmm. So what, do you, what are some of the practices or um, what's feeding you in that? I know you say, I'm just with the Lord, I'm just laying it before him. I'm holding all of my thoughts and questions before him. But are there some things that you've been able to do that have helped you through this process? I would say in when I was in the grave, yeah, <laughs> um, I literally all I could do was rest. Mm. So that's kind of weird when all your spiritual practices cease mm. and you just rest. Yeah, and uh, I I would think thoughts like you know I know I need to be reading the word. I know I need to worship. I know the practices mm-hmm. to draw the presence of God, but I don't have the strength. And learning that when I felt that I couldn't 
His presence was right there with me. I think the greatest Mm -hmm. lesson I've learned recently is actually that he actually will not leave me nor forsake me. So to leave is to, you know, walk away, get mad and walk away, huff, whatever, you know, I'm not going to live with you anymore. But to forsake is an abandonment. Mm -hmm. It is an orphan spirit, right? And so even in the days when I was upset with him or I felt I could not, or even COVID is just such a suppressing Mm -hmm. season, I did experience that he would come and sit with me, which kind of annoyed me. I was like, could you just (laughs) heal me? Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you just lay hands on me and heal me? Come on, you know, I want to be better. But the Lord actually is very patient to sit in our pain. And so he would come and sit with me. Uh, Now that the light is starting to come to me, um, I am finding the word intense for me again um, because I'm still reading it with a lot of challenges. It's not as pleasant, but it is very revelatory. And so I'm reading, I just read the book of James. I'm reading Proverbs 1 through 4 because I think there's something about wisdom um, I like to study a chapter of Isaiah that corresponds to my birth mm. year. Uh, so I'm 61 this year. So I'm I'm studying Isaiah 61, which mm. at our home church is the foundational scripture yes. for freedom. Mm. And so I'm reading more of 61 and I'm trying to learn more about freedom. So it's like pockets of the word are really mm-hmm. ministering to me, but they I have more questions. You know, I used to just read and I would read all that judgments for somebody else, you know. But look, here's the promise of God, not highlight the promise. And sort of that's true because I've been redeemed by Christ, but people are suffering. Mm-hmm. There's so much suffering in the world. And when you are suffering and you read that same passage, you cannot deny, you know, when mm-hmm. you read Psalms 88, right? And you read like, how long until you come for me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did I answer that question? I'm not yeah. sure I did. Again, so, I, I, and worship yeah. is yeah. helping, yeah. but the thing that's helping me more than anything is um, connection with people that I can be frank and honest with. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't need a lot of connection with people I can't be frank and honest with because another thing that has happened to me is that my protective shield is pretty thin. Mm. So like you said something about me being vulnerable, my husband will say, why are you always emotionally naked? You know, because like, <laughs> I don't have the strength yeah. to give you the corporate correct, even yeah. the theological answer when my heart is crushed or broken yeah. or weak or I'm afraid. And so I tend to just tell the truth. Hmm. Uh, and somehow he never leaves me nor forsakes me, which... I can tell the truth and still encourage someone. Yes. Which is amazing to me. So. Yes. Hmm. Well, your realness has been really encouraging to me. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) And I think just to anybody who's listening who has questions or doubts or fears, I think that this holy lament that you offer us such a beautiful picture of, um, is in itself encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, and in itself hopeful. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you. Yes. Thank so you. Welcome. Thank you for being um, being the one that's gone before mm-hmm. and the one that can teach us how to be on top of the mountain <laughs> and faithful also still in a valley. 
And um, so we are grateful for you. Thank you. That is so kind. If anyone wants to re- reach you or get a, follow you, get how, what's books? the best way to do that? Yeah. Well, both of my books are listed, uh, you know, at all of the major retailers, but you won't find them on the shelves of retailers, <laughs> but you can always order them on Amazon. And The Grace Giving Leader is also available in audio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish Women at War was too, but they're very easy to find uh, just at your normal online locations. And then I would love for you to uh, find me at bravestronggirl.org. Okay. And I'm I'm trying to rebuild my communication there. And I'm still on Facebook. My daughter's always like, you need to be on Instagram, Mom. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't have the strength to learn it. <laughs> so every once a year, I post something on Instagram. But I'm sneaking over there to see what you're doing. So, <laughs> so follow me because then I'll... I'll see what you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, it's not too hard to find me. All right. So bravestarongirl.org. Mm-hmm. All right. Perfect. Yes. Thank you for being with us, Jan. Yes. You're so welcome. And thank you all for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, we encourage you to click subscribe. And thanks for joining us today and giving us this moment of time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Women in Ministry Leadership Podcast. Powered by the King's University, a school committed to encouraging and validating women on their ministry journeys. To learn more, visit tku.edu.